Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Conversations with Terry Law and Scott Law. I'm Scott Law. I'm here with my father. And uh, my fa- his father <laughs> is uh, Terry Law. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know who your father is, hopefully. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we're glad to be back. Um, we're yeah. talking about grace. Mm. At God's unmerited, unearned favor. We're changing the subject. We have... In days gone by, I've been talking primarily about hope and relating Bible hope toward the coronavirus and some of the serious challenges that are facing our country right now. But uh, we change now to the subject of grace and favor. Uh, The word grace or the word favor in the Greek language is the word charis, C H A R. I-S. Charis is uh, a word for God's grace. And I, I want to illustrate the power of charis in a believer's life by going back to a, an Old Testament story. It's one of my favorites. And, and that's the story of Joseph. I've preached on Joseph so many times in area or countries all over the world. And He's become probably my favorite Old Testament character. Scott, there's a, a verse in Romans 15.4. I'm wondering if you could go to it and uh, read it for us because it's, it's an important touchstone for where we're going here. Okay. Romans 15.4, this is the Amplified uh, Version, Classic Edition. For whatever was thus written in former days was written for our instruction that by our steadfast and patient endurance and the encouragement drawn from the scriptures we might hold fast to and cherish hope. Uh, That is a verse uh, obviously that ends up in hope and in the importance of hope. But I want to bring an idea forward is that the things that have been written in the scriptures, in other words, I don't know about those of you listening today, but one of my favorite methods of reading the Bible is to read Bible stories. Uh, it's one thing to read a chapter, to read two chapters, blah, blah, you know, and that's one way to approach scriptural study. But uh, one thing that I've learned over the years is to piece together stories and to, and the fact that God often speaks to us primarily through the story, and it can be an Old Testament character that seems to be totally uh, divorced from where we are in America and, and our, our current battles, but they have spiritual lessons to bring to us. And I, one of the Bible characters that I like is the story of Joseph. All right, let's get to Scripture, and uh, we will start off in Genesis 37, verse 3, 3 through 5. This is the story of Joseph, the favorite son of his father Jacob. Go ahead and read. All right, here we go. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a distinctive long tunic with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not say peace in friendly greeting to him or speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him still more. Now we'll go to verse 17. 17 through 20 in chapter 37. Midway through verse 17, we'll pick up. Right, 17b. 17b, and it says, And Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. 
and when they saw him far off, even before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. And they said one to another, See, here comes this dreamer and master of dreams. So come on now, let us kill him and throw his body into some pit. Then we will say to our father, Some wild and ferocious animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Yeah, that's, that's a fairly dramatic portion of Scripture. And the important thing that I want to point out here is that uh, there was deep division in the home of Jacob. Jacob was a, not a good father in the sense of uh, he was a passive father. He didn't discipline his children very often. Uh, he let them get away with bad things when his daughter Dinah was raped by the men of Shechem. Jacob's own sons uh, went after the men of Shechem and, and had a terrible massacre. <laughs> didn't even show uh, that uh, jo- Jacob was concerned or say anything to his sons. Didn't say anything to his daughter, even though she'd been raped. So there are illustrations in the life of Jacob that uh, say that he left much to be desired as a good father. But the one thing that Jacob didn't do was the fact that he openly loved his son Joseph. Now, understand a little of the background there. Joseph was the son of Rachel, who was Jacob's favorite wife. You remember the story of Rachel and Leah, both daughters of Laban, and Jacob served for Rachel, and he was uh, he was deceived by Laban, and Leah became his first wife, then uh, Rachel's second wife, and Rachel always wanted a son, and Jacob wanted a son from Rachel. And the Lord ultimately blessed Rachel. The Bible says the Lord opened her womb, and Joseph was born. From the beginning, Joseph was the favorite of his father Jacob. And uh, Jacob openly displayed a favoritism for Joseph in front of his brothers, the other 11 brothers, and it was a very unwise thing to do. One of the ways that Jacob showed favor to Joseph was uh, making a coat of many colors for him. I doubt whether Jacob made it himself, but someone did. And uh, they created a, a coat of many colors. And uh, can, can you, real quick, can you imagine you have all these siblings, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're Joseph, and you've got this special outfit that your dad gave you. Mm hmm. And all your siblings don't. I mean, talk about a splinter in your toe. I mean, a, mm. a, a stone in your shoe. You stand out. You make things uncomfortable by your very existence. And, and Jacob didn't help the situation by no. giving the coat to his son. He did it open openly. And that was a beautiful coat, the Bible says. In fact, when, uh, when Joseph is coming to find his friends, they see his coat from a distance. Uh, that coat of many colors you could see from a half a mile all the bright colors and everything else. <laughs> and so they said, oh, there's, there's the dreamer coming. But it, it, the fact that Joseph, Jacob allowed Joseph to, to have that kind of favoritism and did it openly in front of his brothers is really a sign of bad parenting by uh, Jacob. But I want to take the story of Joseph now, and I want to uh, develop uh, a part of the story here. And Scott, you read it just a few moments ago how Joseph has been commissioned by Jacob to go and find the brothers. Probably a good reason was they were in Shechem. And if you heard me say a little earlier, 
Jacob's sons had massacred the men of Shechem because they had uh, one of them had raped their sister Dinah, who was Jacob's daughter. It was a brilliant and ruthless right. <laughs> plan by the brothers. Right now, now think think it through it though. Probably the reason Jacob sent Joseph was because he was afraid. They were in Shechem. They were taking care of the flocks in Shechem, and that's where the massacre had taken place. And uh, Jacob's probably saying, I want to make sure your brothers are all right. We don't want retaliation from the men of Shechem. So for the uninitiated, a quick recap on why Jacob would be concerned was because his daughter was raped by a man who had professed love for his daughter and wanted to marry. And so the, the family agreed and the brothers agreed, okay, yeah, you can marry her. But um, in order for uh, our, our two clans, our two peoples to be united together, all the men of Shechem had to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we will all be one. And so all the men <laughs> willingly chose to be circumcised. And then a couple of days after they were circumcised, they, they couldn't move when they couldn't move and they were in pain and there were no bags of frozen peas to help them. They're all sitting there in little huts and Joseph's brothers came and wiped them all out like a mafia hit out mm. of uh, Goodfellas or something else. Um, they just went and killed them all because they knew that they were helpless. And that is the story of the massacre. I'll pick it up there. Uh, when uh, Joseph comes to his brothers. No sooner does he walk up to the campfire, and they have already conspired to kill him. They've said, first of all, let's throw him in a pit. So the first thing they do when he walks up is they grab him, and they pull the uh, coat of many colors off of him. They take him, and they throw him in a pit. Now, uh, water pits in, in the Middle East in those days were uh, shaped very much like a Coke bottle under the ground. The top of the well would be a narrow hole where you could get somebody in so Joseph could be thrown in there. But then the Coke bottle opened and, and widened down below. And so if you were thrown in one of those things, there's no way to climb up. You couldn't climb up the sides because it was a Coke bottle and there's no way to get out be- simply because of the size and uh, Joseph's in there, and the Bible says in the Psalms that Joseph cried out to his brothers and asked them, please, to get him out of there. And, uh, I mean, they sat by the fire. They went ahead and ate very crass, very wicked, evil young men who did not care about their brother. And there was a plan. Reuben said, that, uh, Reuben was the oldest of uh, Jacob's son. Reuben said, let's Let's not kill Joseph. Let's just put him in the pit for a while. And he had a plan to come back himself later and release Joseph. Mm -hmm. But uh, as they're sitting by the fire, a a happenstance coming across the horizon away off in the desert, the sons of Jacob can see a horde of Ishmaelite traders who traded all through the Middle East in those days. And they are coming that they trafficked in human flesh, and uh, they sold slaves. It was Judah that had the idea, hey, we can probably get some money for our brother Joseph. So they sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelite traders. Now, it's difficult to imagine, and I've tried to say this to an audience when I was preaching about Joseph. 
what it must have felt like to be Joseph strapped on the back of a camel, walking across the desert, having been betrayed by his brothers, never going to see his father again, at least that's what he thought. And here he is, betrayed on his way, and uh, his heart's broken. He's totally shocked at the hatred his brothers have. He's heard them say uh, they're going to take his coat, dip it in goat's blood, fresh goat's blood, take it home to Jacob and tell Jacob that Joseph has been killed by an animal. So as Joseph travels across the desert, it's quite a ways. There'll be a, a good long hike for those camels and that Ishmaelite caravan to make it down into Egypt. And when they get to Egypt, immediately, the Bible says, moving into chapter 39, uh, the Bible says that uh, Joseph was purchased by Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Now, that means that probably Potiphar was the head soldier in the Egyptian army. He was the major executioner. That's one of the uh, things I learned in terms of Bible study about him. So Genesis 39 one through five, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one through five. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain and chief executioner of the royal guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. But the Lord was with Joseph. And Boy, he, let, let's emphasize that. As we read these next verses, I want you to see how Joseph had a special place in God's sight. Go ahead. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he, though a slave. What do you think that means, the Lord was with Joseph? That his eyes were always on him. I think he had, he had selected him. Absolutely. He'd he was chosen, favored. He'd chosen him, obviously, above his brothers. Yeah. And the eyes of God were particularly focused on Joseph mm -hmm. because there was something in the young man that God would use in the future. But I love that phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. And he... Though a slave was a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to flourish and succeed in his hand. So Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight, and he served him. And his master made him supervisor over his house, and he put all that he had in his charge. Let's go back to that phrase, and he found favor in his sight. Mm-hmm. There's something about favor and grace that has to do with the eyes of the person looking upon it. Uh, that famous Levitical blessing back in, I think it's Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless thee and keep thee, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee, mm -hmm. the Lord be gracious and be gracious unto thee, the Lord mm -hmm. lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Those are powerful words and Yet that is what happens in the process of favor or grace being transmitted by God to mankind. It has everything to do with the way he looks at us. God, right from the beginning, looked on Joseph with a special affection and with special care. Let's go on to uh, chapter 39, verse, uh, I think it is 21. Okay. Thirty-nine, twenty-one. here we go. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and loving kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the warden of the prison. There it is again. And gave him favor. Joseph was given favor in the eyes of Potiphar. 
and again he was given favor in the eyes of the keeper of the prison. The hand, the hand of God, the favor of God was on Joseph, and we, we are going to major on this as we look at the subject of favor and we move into some teaching uh, here in the Old Testament. Go ahead. I think it's neat, Dad, that sight comes up, and you briefly mentioned it. Grace is really how we see others. Mm-hmm. To have God's eyes is really to see others with gracious eyes. That famous verse that we've all memorized, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Favor. The Lord looked on Noah with favor. The Lord looked on Joseph with favor. And I want to get this theme because the Lord is looking on you and me with favor, and I want us to understand how incredible that is and what a great blessing from God this is in our daily lives. Let's see here. And, and verse 22, And the warden of the prison committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatsoever was done there, he was in charge of it. The prison warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, for the Lord was with him and made whatever he did to prosper. Wow, that's a, that's a total blessing. When I preached on Joseph all those years, I must have preached on Joseph hundreds of times. And always it was that one phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. There's something about that that just gets me inside. Uh, the Lord was with Joseph. And for us to understand that through the grace of God, and the plan of God in New Testament theology, we are blessed and we are looked upon by God through the eyes of grace and the eyes of favor. And he is looking at ways to favor us, to bless us, to set us aside, to make something unusual out of us. And uh, that is God's plan for uh, all believers in the kingdom of God and uh, uh, we need to spend some time on developing this. And it w wasn't just to one character in the Old Testament. In fact, uh, as we continue, Scott, in this study, I'm going to teach on four other Old Testament characters who somehow incurred the favor of God and how God immediately blessed their footsteps. And he used them as signposts to the children of Israel. He made them great people. And uh, I, as we see that, I, I, I believe there's a, a lesson going to come through to us and touch our faith, actually, because our faith needs to believe in the favor of God. That's one of the most important things you will do in your life and your walk with the Lord, to dare to believe that he looks on you with special eyes, that you are precious in his sight, and like Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, as we walk with God day by day, God is looking on us with favor. And that favor is because of what Jesus provided for you at the cross. When Jesus uh, shed his blood, and you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the blood of Jesus now covers all your sin, God can look on you and me with absolute favor. The uh, old English in the, in the book of Psalms says, we are the apple of God's eye. That's a, a, a strange way of saying it, but I don't care how many million believers there are on the planet, every one of us is God's favorite. Now, that doesn't make sense because we want to be better than everybody else. But the fact of the matter is that God looks 
on all of us as the apple of his eye. And he's looking on you with favor. And we're going to find out what that means in the teaching of God's word going forward. I want to kind of tie all this together. Uh, We had in past episodes talked about having the eyes of hope and putting Mm -hmm. on the glasses of hope. And here we're talking about the eyes of grace. And uh, there's something about our eyes as part of our five senses, the things that we see, the things that we're subjected to, the things that we allow ourselves to be subjected to, uh, the people that we're around, the situations that we're in. There's an active, engaging, um, deliberateness to having eyes of hope and also having eyes of grace that Mm. we choose to walk and look through our eyes in grace Mm. extended to others because when we do that, we are also recognizing and acknowledging the grace that has been bestowed to us. Right. But I can I can say, Scott, in, in regard to what you're saying there, is that even though God looks on us with favor, if we don't believe that he's looking on us with favor, that favor isn't going to do one thing for us. Our faith, by grace are you saved through faith. Grace, grace is the favor. Grace is the favor of God. It comes to us, but faith has got to grab it and believe it to make it personal. For by grace are you saved through faith. And we're going to see this as we uh, deal with this subject going forward. That's good, Dad. Anything else you want to add? Not right now. We'll, We'll be back soon. To tie this bow up? Okay, well, hey, remember, grace is how we see others. Grace, we have our eyes, and we need to dial into the eyes of God and and have the eyes of grace when we look at others and we look at other situations. I tell you, you asked me if I had anything to say. <laughs> Uh-oh. I have one more verse. <laughs> okay. One more verse out All of right. 2 Corinthians 9 verses. Uh, I'll just read the one verse 8. Uh, this is a powerful verse, one of my favorite in the entire New Testament. Listen to these words. And God is able to make all grace and in brackets, in the Amplified, every favor and earthly blessing. God is able to make all favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, brackets, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. What a powerful, powerful scripture. It's good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to us today. Uh, We've had a good time kind of diving into the story of Joseph and lots more to talk about. Grace is such a deep, complicated concept for our primitive, limited minds to, to grasp and wrap our arms around, but we will endeavor to do so. Grace and peace on you all, and we will be back soon. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.